It's time to elevate your consciousness and tune in. This is Mastermind with your host, Dr. Rebecca. This show is about possibilities. If you're successful, ready, and highly motivated to make the necessary changes in your life, we'll provide the tools, direction, and encouragement to help you along the way. Now, here's Dr. Rebecca. And welcome back to Mastermind. This is your host, Dr. Rebecca. Um, this show is going to be a great show. I have with me Dr. Marie Kay, who we've spoken with before. She is our memory champion and also our um, Alzheimer's passion about uh, Alzheimer's prevention. So, um, Dr. Marie Kay, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you very much for inviting me back. Yes. So, um, today we were going to switch gears a little bit. I know we talked about memory improvement the last time. And today I want to talk a little bit more about a, a, a little or known subject, I guess, and that's how to optimize our, our brains by changing the space around us, which I think is really interesting. Uh, yes, just to preface this a little bit, um, when I was competing, I was the oldest person to have ever competed uh, in the USA Memory Championship. And it wasn't enough for me to train using mnemonics and all the regular memory exercises. Um, I was competing against uh, people whose brains were 20, 30, even 50 years younger than my own. <laughs> Uh, right. pretty intimidating. So I had to find a way to level the playing field. Um, that's when I just took a, a course in um, really applied neuroscience uh, at Harvard, a, gra a postgraduate course dealing with, you know, learning and memory and um, uh, how to protect our memory and how to reduce the risk factors and optimize the protect protective factors. So that really um, instilled a passion in me. And I thought, wow, what else can I do to improve not only my memory, but all my other cognitive functions? And one of the things was to take a look at my space, my home, and yes. see what I could do to really optimize it for improving my brain, basically. Right. So, so yeah, people think about um, improving your, the way your brain operates. We think about puzzles. We think about games. We might think about exercise. But there's um, one thing we don't think about, I guess, is because we're immersed in it. We're almost not even conscious of it is what's in our space around us. Um, and so I like the idea that you took the time to just stop and think about what it, from every angle, how can I best optimize my brain from every single angle I can think of and came up with space. Um, and of course, there are tons of ways to do it and tons of spaces that we're exposed to. I wanted to, um, for us to focus on three spaces that we spend the most time in, um, kitchen, is one, um, bedroom is another, and then our home office. And so uh, I'd just like to have a conversation with you about these three different spaces and some of the research behind the changes that we can make in order to um, optimize our brain function in each of these spaces in our homes. How does that sound? That sounds that sounds great, and I do spend a lot of time in my kitchen <laughs> and my home office. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start there then. So let's start with the kitchen, um, because not only is that a space that maybe we as individuals spend time in, 
But it's also a space that we tend to share with other people. So it might be a really important space to optimize uh, for not only, you know, cognition, but, but relationships and interpersonal things as well. Uh, yes, and I think a couple of things that I learned at Harvard and which I, I use uh, all the time is our our brain really, um, our memories especially, are formed uh, through our senses. And one of the most powerful senses, of course, is the sense of smell. It is the one that sure. hits the brain directly, right? There's no filter. And it's true. I mean, I can remember the smells of my, you know, my childhood uh, kitchen, my grandmother cooking, my mother cooking. And whenever I catch a whiff of something like that, it transports me immediately back in full color (laughs) to that space. So, So the kitchen is a really, I think, important place to start thinking about um, all of our cognitive functions, but especially memory. So what can, what can we do? Well, I think one of the things is to understand that scent is very important. And one of the things I like to do, and not just at Christmas, is I like to fill uh, my kitchen with scents that really either relax or energize me, depending on what I need at the mm-hmm. time. So, for example, uh, scents that are compelling and appealing to people are, of course, the scent of um, uh, cinnamon or vanilla. I mean, when you think of the, going to the mall and you get that cinnabon. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, we're all drawn to it. It's, it's very compelling. Right. But cinnamon is a very um, positive uh, spice, so, so research has shown. So I like to throw a few sticks of cinnamon in, in a, into a pot, maybe with a couple of cloves, and just with some water, and just keep that mm. simmering um, on the back burner. It just evokes a kind of a, it, I think it's very good for mood and re- relaxing. I like that. I like the cinnamon and vanilla. And I also like what you suggested earlier, which was it also depends on what you need at the time. So like in the morning, I really love the scent of peppermint or any citrus like lemon or orange because it's invigorating. And, you know, it could even be a little bit better uh, than a cup of coffee as far as waking me up in the morning. So to have, um, you know, sometimes a diffuser or just some other way to deliver those scents and then maybe um, let's say in the afternoon or you know just how your mood changes you can do or if you're in the sentimental mood you can you know change the scent but just be aware of what your need is at the time and match that with a particular smell is, is I think is a good way to go. That that's very true. I mean, in the morning, uh, a diffuser is great if you don't have one or you don't want to spend uh, money on a diffuser. Uh, just even, um, you know, inhale uh, some mint leaves. I think it's great to have mm, yeah. herbs uh, on your windowsill and eat, you know, somewhere in your kitchen. Just crush a mint leaf, and that's. I mean, that's wonderful. Um, the other the other thing is. Uh, Sometimes in the evening when I get tired, uh, a good scent to crush to and inhale is rosemary. Rosemary gives you, oh, that's a real wake-up call. And uh, what you don't, you know, when you've done smelling it, you can toss it into your pot roast. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so it's completely, you know, sustainable, right? <laughs> We're not wasting. I love anything. that. Yeah, that's that is a very good. It's a very nice grounding um, um, aroma too. Yes, and so, I think we do need to be really aware of the power of scent. Um, we don't often consider scent as important for right. brain function, but it really is. And it's one of the fastest, simplest, le- least expensive things we can do to optimize our brain and, and our memory. Right, right. We o- we do overlook it, and it is the most powerful um, so it's interesting that we started out with scent. Um, so, so besides scent, we have some other senses, of course. Um, what about sound? How could we optimize our sound environment maybe in the kitchen? Any neuroscience-backed research on cognitive function and, and certain types of sounds that are better than others? Well, I think um, uh, the brain likes certain sounds, it's true. And um, one of the sounds that it likes the best, if we're talking about music, for example, the brain does not like uh, grating or um, unpleasant sounds like noise, you know, things like that, or things that are very loud. But remarkably, studies have shown that our brain really likes Baroque music. <laughs> I love Baroque music, yes, yes. All these old chants. The other similar a kind of music is Celtic music. Hmm. So, it, yeah, it apparently it's the rhythm, it's the number of beats, and so on that really uh, mimics our own um, heart rate. I think quite often is what what the studies are showing. So you may want to, as you you know, if you're in your kitchen and you're preparing a meal, it, it, that can be very stressful, right? The family's around, you right. may be whatever, it might be nice to just slip on your headphones and add a couple of uh, Celtic or Baroque pieces or even sort of classical music uh, to your playlist and just kind of let it wash over you. So that's something that you can control as well. Now, can I control my uh, my children's mood with this too? Can I put some music on and have them settle down a little bit? Well, I tell you what, if you start playing Baroque music to your children, no problem. They'll simply leave the room. <laughs> oh, problem is solved either way. <laughs> problem solved, right? <laughs> That's a win-win. <laughs> but, but the other thing that the, um, our brain likes is um, novelty. Novelty is huge. Our brain really reacts and remembers uh, much better when we present it with novelty. I mean, think green eggs and ham, right? Everybody immediately gets that image, and it's a shocking image in the sense that it's very different. So there are many things you can do in your kitchen to keep your brain alert, and that's what we want. We want it to be alert so that it's always learning something new. The simplest thing is... Switch where you sit at dinner around the table. Hmm. I mean, we I always like gra- yeah, we always gravitate to the same seating. But if you mix right. it up, it's really good for your brain and and the brain of brains of your family members too. <laughs> I like that. Oh, maybe we could play musical chairs before dinner, and that'll that'll um, introduce the music and the the seating changes at the same time. <laughs> Look at you. That's great. That's great, and that is something that really costs nothing to do. And right. uh, 
the conversation or your family will that will create a memory. It's it will be something different that evening. So you might just want to do a you know a topsy turvy day, uh, you know, at dinner time uh, once a week or something like that. Yeah. Another thing to do that is a little more stressful if you're a control freak like I am, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I Uh-oh. think it's good for my brain is to change certain things around in your kitchen. For example, you okay. could start with counter. If your coffee maker is on the right-hand side of your counter, right, move it to the left. If okay. you've got your plates on, you know, in, in your uh, cupboards, like on the right, right-hand or the left-hand side, switch them to the opposite side. It will drive you crazy because you will go it, automatically. It already is. <laughs> but what we're trying... In my mind... <laughs> yeah, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to change the routine. We're trying to introduce a very powerful concept of novelty into the mm-hmm. brain. We're trying to do it in a simple, everyday way. Right. Um, and novelty basically um, tells the brain to release certain hormones. Um, and so... From my understanding, then that goes into, um, you know, our incentive to a reward centers, basically. So when we have this, this idea of novelty and, and reward and our dopamine is triggered, then that changes our mood. Is that, is that part of what's going on here? Well, it also sharpens our uh, concentration and our focus because all of a sudden we, we have to stop and we, it, you know, it's like taking a new route to work in the morning, right? You're suddenly not on autopilot anymore, but you actually have attention. So it's, it's, it, it, I think it attracts more the attention uh, seeking uh, sections, you know, where you're really focusing, paying attention and you're learning something new. And whenever you learn something, it, it may not seem like you're learning anything new. I mean, you're just sitting in a different chair or your dishes are now on the left and not on the right, but that is learning. And learning is what's going to keep your brain healthy and strong and help uh, protect it to some degree from, uh, you know, diseases like Alzheimer's or dementia. Yeah. And I'm not, I mean, not only learning, but just the, that different perspective, sitting in a different seat, you see the, the room differently, you see the other people exactly. around you differently, and that, that can change your thoughts, it can change, you know, even ideas you might have for the next day or conversations you might have with your family just by that slight change in perspective. Exactly. And in fact, the Alzheimer's Prevention Association is now, as well as the Alzheimer's Association, we now know that there is no pharmacological intervention into Alzheimer's. I mean, there's nothing in the pipeline. Um, Pharmaceutical companies have struggled for a long time and they're still struggling. So, but more and more research is showing us that there are lifestyle changes that we can make that can protect our brain. I mean, we've heard about, you know, food, fitness, social, learning something. Well, this is learning something and you can learn it. And it is one of the ways you can protect your brain and optimize it. And you can do it in the comfort of your own kitchen. That's nice. Okay, so we have some tips. Uh Uh-huh. 
I have just a couple more. Another thing to sure. do really is, and this kind of slides into nutrition a little bit, neuronutrition, mm-hmm. but you may want to check your fridge and make sure, and pantry, and make sure that you have at least a few of the foods that we now know absolutely that are um, that that um, positively affect brain function and many of them specifically memory. I mean, you definitely want to make sure that you have what I call brain berries in your fridge, <laughs> blueberries mm-hmm. being absolute number one brain food. Not uh, you know in in that in that family, you may want to double check to make sure that you have nuts in there, uh, walnuts, uh, almonds. Uh, these are really good choices to have. Um, every day. And we know that this enhances memory and brain function. You may want to make sure uh, also that you are stocked with some dark chocolate. We're talking 70%. No problem. Yes, no problem. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And finally, there is a new study that came out recently uh, that found that people in their 50s and early 60s who drank um, a, a little uh, grape juice, uh, Concord grape juice every day, actually enhanced, increased, improved their uh, memory function. So these, there's all new research coming out. So you may want to just add a few things to your uh, fridge and your pantry uh, when you go grocery shopping. And again, you want to throw in some of those spices like cinnamon, and you might slip that into yeah. your coffee in the morning. Okay. So we have our, our kitchen tips. Oh, anything. So we, and we talked about our physical environment and just switching things around. Um, so going back to our list, it's a kitchen, bedroom, and home office. So let's move to our bedroom, which is our place for relaxation, um, a lot of times for sleep. Some of us read in our bedroom. So what... What types of things could we do to optimize um, our, our our mental function in the bedroom? Well, I think the the first and and most important thing to recognize is we need to understand the role that sleep plays in memory and sleep is absolutely vital to memory function it it absolutely um, create i mean it sort of moves all of our daytime memories into long term memory storage uh, so that they become more stable our brain never sleeps right it never sleeps so while we're sleeping it's um storing our memories for us, but it's also doing a lot of sort of neural housekeeping, you know, it's vacuuming, it's dusting, you know. So it's really important to sleep. Um, So to optimize your sleep, you need to optimize your sleep space, wherever that happens to be. And the first thing that you want to do is when you're getting ready to go to sleep is lower the temperature in that room. Yeah. Um, our brain really likes it a little bit below 70 degrees, like 68 to 70. Yeah. Yeah, I know that to be true. Um, and at the same time, I love warm. It, it's nice. It's nice to have a nice warm bed, but I agree that the cooler temperatures have shown time and time again. It just improves improve sleep, improve your brain's ability to, like you said, assimilate the day's information um, and do what it needs to do housekeeping-wise to keep us functioning at optimal at optimal level. Yeah, I mean, so how hard is that? I mean, that's a, a, a huge 
thing you can do. Simply walk mm-hmm. over the thermostat and turn it down. That's simple. The other thing is that our brain really wants to sleep in darkness. So there's a couple of things. Um, I, I suggest, and it's hard to do, I grant you, it is not easy because like everybody else, I love my digital devices. But mm-hmm. it's helpful for yourself and your family to uh, create a kind of blue light curfew. Every one of our right. devices has blue lights, whether it's a TV, the cell phone, the laptop, the computer, whatever. Even your alarm clock <laughs> has a blue light shining out of yeah. it. A blue light is really what keeps you alert. It prevents um, you from getting naturally sleepy. So about an hour or so before bedtime, you may want to put all those things away, dim your lights where you are, just sort of get into that passage between active, vital day and restful, refreshing Mm -hmm. sleep. So you need that little corridor, that little hallway. Um, when you read about right. it in books, it's called sort of sleep hygiene, but it's really just calming down, you know. Yeah, um, and I talk to my patients about that, too, because by being exposed to the light so much, that blue light, it really, it changes the way our, our circadian rhythm functions. And we release melatonin at a certain point in the evening, and that helps us to get drowsy and then helps us to fall asleep. But if we have a screen with the blue light behind it until 9, 10, 11 o'clock, then that interferes with our melatonin release, which interferes with our ability to get drowsy. And then, you know, I'll have patients come to me and they'll say, I can't fall asleep. Um, But they've been on their screens, you know, most of the evening. And then they might fall asleep around 1 or 2. That's sort of in line with, you know, the fact that they turn their screen off at 10 or 11 o'clock. So... Um, it, it is really important, um, and and also one thing that I learned that is helpful is that a lot of devices have blue light filters, and you can change in the settings. Right. You can filter out the blue light and go into nighttime mode if you must use your device at nighttime. Yeah, uh, but you can also in your nightstand uh, on your if you have a, a lamp on your you know on your bedside table, you may want to use a different bulb. Um, a bulb that really filters out uh, the blue end of the spectrum, uh, uh, the light spectrum. And there are plenty of those around. I mean, every store has them. So you might just want to have a different level of lighting for the bedroom. Another thing you can do is to put up um, really, um, what do you call them? The complete blue, uh, the complete blackout curtains. Um, they're very inexpensive. Yeah. They go, you know, on the window side uh, of your drapes, so they don't really affect the look. Um, but they do filter out all kinds of uh, light that may be seeping in. If you have a window, if there's a uh, if there's a street light outside your window, that could be affecting the quality of your sleep and then mm-hmm. the brain function. Yeah, so darkness is really really important, um, and I think it's another thing that people don't pay attention to until they do it and then they realize how much how much improved their their sleep quality becomes um just a a really quick story i used to live in this apartment building and i moved there because it was um it was close to everything but it was also sort of um you know it had a lot of woods around it 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 was nice it was in the city but it had a good greenery and you know kind of um chance for darkness and then um, darkness at night, you know, light during the daytime. And then they built this huge 
car dealership. They tore down all the trees and they built a huge car dealership right outside of my window. And it was literally light 24 hours a day. Wow. Um, And no matter what I did, I couldn't get it dark enough because you know how those huge lights are at car dealerships. And um, that was part of the reason I I moved is just because it was never dark there. And it's, it's disturbing to be in a situation um, with that artificial light all the time. It really does uh, mess with the brain's ability to function properly at night. Yeah, anything like that, it really does. And it leaves you tired and draggy the next day. It affects your concentration, your mood. It affects your decision-making ability. It affects your ability yes. to learn anything and remember it. So it's a, it's a, it has great impact on memory. So we are, live in such a bright world now. <laughs> we, we don't do. realize how important it is to have the benefit of that nighttime, how much our body and our brain needs it. Um, Another thing we can do um, is to get ourselves a white noise or pink pink noise machine. Pink noise. And turn that on. So uh, <laughs> these machines are known to assist in the deep sleep or slow wave sleep, uh, which is very crucial to memory. So right. there's a certain kind of sound, according to studies, that is audible to us and kind of synchronized to the rhythm of our brain waves, and it can help improve our memory and our recall ability. And it's called a pink noise. It is a sound that really has a perfectly consistent frequency, and it kind okay. of sounds wonderful. It sounds like the rush of a waterfall or a gentle rain or a breeze blowing through a leafy tree. And Mm -hmm. uh, of these uh, machines come with adjustments. So you can have pink sounds, you can have white sounds and so on. But if you're having a particularly difficult time falling asleep and staying asleep, this may be a very good uh, brain friendly uh, answer. Yeah, I like that. Pink noise. Okay, I think it's a new one for me. Is that sort of and and so it's it would give the um, the same advantage of maybe soundscapes or or nature sounds that you know people buy in order to fall asleep to. I, I'm guessing it might have the same thing. It's just that kind of soothing, relaxing sound. Um, yeah. The other thing, let's just inject a little. Um, a little uh, novelty into this <laughs> because before I like novelty. I know we're trying to relax and everything, but we still want to keep our brain sharp. One of the things that's such fun to do to inject a little novelty into your bedtime routine is, hello, are you ready for this? This is a big one. <laughs> brush brush your teeth with the opposite hand. Oh. <laughs> Believe me, it is not as easy as it sounds. No, it's not. And it's really good because it's combining both cognitive function and motor function, right? And motor. I mean, the first time mm-hmm. I tried this, I had toothpaste up my nose. It was <laughs> 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 my brain. Well, you wash your face at the same time. 
<laughs> yes. So, but that's it's little things like this. I think most of us don't re- realize how simple changes really have a, a very big impact. And um, I'm so glad now that all this new research about you know pr- protecting our brain and so on is is highlighting the fact that you know lifestyle changes don't have to be enormous to have a very um, a very positive effect all, all around. Uh, if right. you want uh, one more um, about bedtime, I have a couple more. There was a recent mm-hmm. study. Now, it's a very small study, but it showed some promise, just to let you know. It was that researchers found that kiwi fruit actually helped before bed, helped people sleep 13% longer and fall asleep. Wow. Who knew, right? The humble kiwi. So instead of so instead of reaching for that pint of ice cream <laughs> for your bedtime snack, um, you may well, want that sugar coma is also another way to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> but you you may want to give it a try. So um, you know this is just one of thousands of new new studies that are coming out um, on research. And finally, I think I, 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 it's very important. I think to write your to do list for the next day before you retire for the night. Mm-hmm. Um, so many of us worry and stress about all the things we have to do the next day that it really interferes with our ability to relax and turn off Mm -hmm. that internal noise. So if you write down your to-do list for the next day, you should have a greater uh, relief from from stress, which will help you sleep because you know you've written it all down. You're not going to forget anything (laughs) between now and when you get up. And that's one of the things that's really recommended. It gives you peace of mind. It's out of your mind and on the paper. So in a way, it's taken care of. You know that you can rest assured that tomorrow morning it'll still be there. You don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah, that I mean, that's um, a very positive, powerful thing to do rather than trying to jump up in the morning and try to remember all the things you have to do. And if you're like mm-hmm. me, most families, mornings are very stressful anyway. Everyone's rushing and, you know, trying to get multiple things done at the same time. So if you can at right. least get your to-do list done, as a, make that a habit, maybe after dinner, um, before bed, um, you'll feel much better the next day. One other thing, too, is that it contributes then to your peace of mind and it has benefits, you know, for the next 24, 48 hours because you have that intention setting that I like to tell people about where when you're at, at nighttime, if you have intention setting for the next day, it sets the tone for your whole next day. Um, and so it's just over time getting getting into that routine not only helps you sleep better that night, but helps you to function better all day the next day. And so I think that's a crucial part of your nighttime routine for those two reasons. Yeah, you're right. And it also gives you a sense of control. And I think if uh, we yeah. do feel like we have control over our lives, that's very stressful. And any kind of stressor raises anxiety levels, of course, and anxiety levels um, impede learning and memory. So if you have a little bit of control over your to-do list and you know you've nailed it, uh, that should help a lot, I think. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. It does impede stress and, and chaos and, and things like that do impede your ability, your mind's ability to function. So uh, yet another reason to make sure that we do that at night. Um, I want to throw a couple of things in there that aren't room specific, but can be applied to each room differently, just depending on and just depending on what you you are trying to accomplish. So, I know that sunlight during the daytime is hugely um, important, especially in this day and age where a lot of us spend most of our time in artificial light inside, indoors most of the time, and often don't even go out for lunch or breaks and are under fluorescent lighting. So um, not only at home, but in any workspace or any physical environment that we have, optimizing the amount of natural sunlight that we're exposed to. Exactly. That's that's very important as well. Um, and it goes back also to the melatonin release and the circadian rhythm and um, make, making sure that our environment is optimized. And then another one I understand from um, multiple neuroscience uh, studies is that having, a, um, having plants in the house, different plants for different rooms, but that, you know, plants improve uh, oxygen, improve air quality, and then also can serve as filters of all these harmful chemicals that we tend to have in our homes, either, you know, on purpose, like through these artificial um, perfumes and room fresheners and things like that, but then also the things that we're not aware of, like the the fumes and the preservatives that come from carpeting and from furniture and from paint and just we're exposed to so many toxins and uh, plants can actually help, uh, certain types of plants can help us to... Um, filter some of that out in addition to giving us increased air quality. Uh, yes, that's that's exactly right. In fact, uh, I'm going to hold on. I have a thing on plants right here. Um, it, it's it's interesting because the, a study really from the researchers at NASA, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, found that really adding plants to the environment helped astronauts uh, think and learn. I mean, it really helped the uh, mm-hmm. cognitive skills. And and as you said, um, the kinds of plants that we use, it's they're all endorsed by the Federal Clear Air, Clean Air Council and so on. Uh, some of the um, ways to add some plants to your space, and it could be any space in your home, would be, um, I think you need, I think it's, you need one plant for every 100 square feet is kind of the formula. And then uh, in the uh, book, A Brain-Based Learning, um, it was determined that some of the best air cleaning and oxygen enhancing plants were uh, rubber plants, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, yellow yellow chrysanthemums, uh, ficus Mm. vendamina, uh, bamboo palms and so on. So yeah, those are the yeah. kinds of things you want to add. Um, one other one I like that is um, that cleans the air and then also is very functional and medicinal is um, aloe vera. Um, oh yeah, because it, it improves the air quality and then you can also use it for medicine cuts and scrapes. Exactly. You can take it internally. Exactly right. Yeah. So and let's make it. We don't have much time. I know we can talk about this forever, at least I could, I think you could too. Um, 
is quickly our home office. So you had a couple. You had a couple interesting tips about our home office space and some things that we can easily change in order to um, optimize our brain function there. Yes, um, there are. And in fact, it doesn't matter whether your home office is, you know, a corner of the kitchen counter or whether you have some an entire room dedicated to it. There are certain things that you can do to really optimize that space and make it much more brain friendly. Um, the first thing is uh, mints, the little red and white round mints. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. <laughs> Seriously, if you keep a bowl of those around, um, they really energize your brain. I mean, and so there was a study uh, that really talked about the peppermint enhanced physical performance. So one study found that people who were undergoing, for example, a 15-minute treadmill stress test thought it was much easier when they were given uh, in a a peppermint-scented room. And the little mints, for example, some school districts have even started to give mints to students before exams. Um, Any kind of exam that requires, you know, attention, um, endurance, and so on. So um, that would be something that if you're going to be on the phone talking to a client or you know, getting ready for an interview, you may just want to um, have a mint. Uh, keep that around. So I'd keep a little dish of mints on the office uh, on your desk. Okay. Um, another uh, thing that that is very interesting, which I this was like very new to me, is that um, our brain prefers circles and spheres. Um, <laughs> so one of the mm. things that you can do is to add more circles and spheres to your home office because that's mm-hmm. very calming for the brain. So use a little round dish, for example, for your paper clips or add a round pillow, put things in a round bowl. The other thing that you may want to do is get rid of sharp, pointy objects. In other words, if you have pencils, pens, staplers, stuff like that, uh, letter openers, you may want to keep those in a drawer. Um, Our brain seems to see, according to um, some research, sharp and pointy things as a threat. And a threat raises anxiety levels. (laughs) So think round and soft <laughs> and not sharp and pointy. Well, it makes sense. Um, so we could even have some, some sort of low-level anxiety without even knowing it because we have our pens and pencils out and letter openers and scissors um, conveniently displayed and accessible, but that could actually be um, increasing our stress level. Exactly, and we're not even aware of it, but on that sort of low-humming level that is yeah. there. Um, and the other thing to do is the same as for the bathroom, the same as for the kitchen, the same as for the bedroom, change things up. So the stuff that was on the right side of your desk, I'll move it to the left side and vice versa. And, you know, you want to a little bit different for yourself um, all the time. You don't have to move all the furniture around, but anything you can do that changes uh, something is going to help uh, improve your learning. And uh, finally, the last thing is, we, Rebecca, you talked about plants. Plants are great, but there was a, and, and they're wonderful. But there's also a very interesting article in Psychology Today 
that pointed out that having fresh flowers around uh, triggers what they called happy brain chemicals. <laughs> um, and they respond to the presence of flowers in several ways. Um, they trigger uh, dopamine, for example, uh, which is like the reward signal, as you pointed out. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. bright, colorful flowers give off. It also uh, tricks our brain a little bit into thinking of abundance. It sees flowers uh. and it sees abundance. So it st- they also stimulate feelings of trust and help to release um, so the feel-good uh, bonding hormones. So That oxytocin. Yeah. Exactly. They also can mm-hmm. <laughs> encourage the, re- the release of serotonin by stimulating a feeling of self-worth when you buy them for yourself or for someone special. So mm-hmm. you don't obviously need to have them all the time. They, it gets expensive. But I think every once in a while to uh, treat yourself or someone to a bunch of fresh flowers uh, it is doing your brain a lot of good. I like that. Well, that was um, great. I know we have just a couple minutes left. Um, Any closing thoughts that you want to offer our our listeners? Yes, I do. I think that one of the least appreciated um, tools that we have in our sort of a brain-building arsenal is the power of visualization. You know, I know back in the 80s, you know, there were all these hucksters and we thought they were hucksters people saying, you know, see it and you'll get it, you know, imagine it. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, this philosophy has been around since, um, you know, uh, um, as a man thinketh, right? Uh, right. What you think is what happens. It's very biblical even, but it was never yeah. proven. Well, now two studies out of Harvard have absolutely proven that what you visualize, you can make happen. So I think in your home office, that's one of the things to really spend a little time on. Maybe make a brain board, you know, put some images up there of things that you want. And it's not just, you know, woo-woo science anymore. Mm-hmm. Or this, is, this is real, real what happens. Uh, they did a, st- a couple of studies at Harvard, but one in particular was interesting. They had. We have about uh, two, one minute left here. Oh, all right. Well, then, just yes. I'll let just tell you. It, it's great studies. So visualize what you want. <laughs> we'll have to have you back again. We have a lot to talk about. Everybody, Dr. Marie Kay, um, thank you for it's joining us good. on Mastermind. And I, and I guess uh, it's a great memory challenge. I don't know if you. Yes. Great memory, the greatmemorychallenge.com where we can find more tips and more information on improving our memories and preventing Alzheimer's disease. So check her out there um, and hopefully we can have her back as well. And again, you're listening to Mastermind. We'll see you again next week. Thank you for tuning in to Mastermind. Please join Dr. Rebecca for another show next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We'll talk again next week.